Hey everybody, this is Scott, the host of the Sunday Morning Coffee Podcast. I would like to invite you to support the show through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash smcpod. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash smcpod, where for only four US dollars per month, you can get early access to episodes and members-only content. Once again, that's patreon.com slash smcpod, and I thank you for your support. And I'm happy to welcome Deborah Yates to the show on this Sunday morning. Deborah, I appreciate your time today, and thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Going to start at the very beginning, like I do with all my guests. If you could just uh, give the listeners a little background about yourself, uh, where you're from, where you're living now, and sort of what led you on to the path that you find yourself on today. Yes. Um, my name is, of course, it's Deborah Yates, and I'm the author of the book Woman of Many Names, which is about my seventh great-grandmother. I was raised in Ohio. My um, grandfather came from Oklahoma, from the uh, Tahlequah area, and um, moved to Florida. And then after he moved to Florida and met my grandmother, they moved to Ohio. At that juncture, it was a secret that we were Native American. He was, um, you know, left the reservation, I want to say, in 1928. And at that time, there was really a lot of um, poverty out there of unbelievable magnitude. So what happened was um, we, uh, my grandfather and his wife moved to Ohio, and they were secretive about their heritage. So um, my mother grew up in Ohio as well, as well as I did. I was born in a little town called Cambridge, Ohio. And I was the first premature baby to survive in the hospital that I was born in. I was yeah. about two months premature. So I had a destiny to fulfill, that's all I can say. Uh, <laughs> Colonel John Glenn had um, donated the very first incubator to the hospital. Wow. And I was the first baby in that incubator. So. You know, thanks to John Glenn, I'm I'm here. So, um, you know, just you know, it's been an an adventurous life I've led, that's for sure. And now I reside in a little town called Bonita Springs, Florida, which is in uh, Lee County, and we almost got like wiped off the map here about two years ago. But you know, we're coming back, and you know, we're gonna just be great down here. Now, how I came about this was of. I found out when I was around a 12 that I was a Cherokee Indian. There was a lot of talk in school about heritage and what your race was. And everybody thought I was Italian. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay. I just said, I don't think so. I said, we don't even eat much spaghetti. So I doubt we're Italian. So I went home and I said, mom, you know, what's our, our race? And she goes, oh, you're Scotch and Irish. I said, oh, okay. Well, that explains your red hair. So anyway. <laughs> Uh, uh, but it doesn't explain my black curly hair. And she goes, well, you're English too. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so anyways, um, when I was around um, 11, 12 years old, I started having a repetitive dream. And in this dream, there was a beautiful woman standing on top of a hill and she was looking down into a valley. She was dressed in buckskin with beads on it and looking down at what I would call a traveling village or um, maybe even teepees at that time when, you know, we didn't live in teepees, but when we traveled, we used something that would have been like a teepee. 
So anyways, um, I, I had to dream twice. And I said, Mom, I said, I keep having this dream. She goes, well, what's it about? And so I told her what it was about. And and um, she says, oh, that well, that's interesting. I said, oh, okay, well, like the fourth time I had the dream, I was so done. I said, Mom, what is up with this dream I keep having? She goes, all right, you're <laughs> Cherokee. And yes, you're sensitive, just like the rest of us are. And, um, but don't tell us all. I said, okay. So anyways, I ran to school the next day and I said, I'm Cherokee Indian, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I defi I was always a defiant child. What can I say? Um, at that juncture then, um, I started asking my grandpa questions because I wanted to know about this because I always had an affinity for for American Indians. I just thought they were beautiful and that their culture was so special and spiritual. And um, at that juncture, he started just spewing these stories at me that he had tucked in his heart all these years and had never spoke about because they made a conscious decision when they moved to Ohio that nobody would know that my grandfather was, you know, a half, a little better than half-blooded uh, Cherokee Indian. Um, he, he was starving on the reservation and that's why he left. He, he moved to Florida to, uh, live with his, uh, oldest sister, Lizzie, who, um, put him right to work at like <laughs> 12 years old in the field. So, um, you know, he had, you know, no formal education to speak of. And his mother died when he was quite young and the father, my great, great grandfather, uh, abandoned his family and uh, moved to Oklahoma City where he fell into uh, despair and alcoholism. So I, I had grown up thinking that he had died right after she did. But what I didn't understand was he just thought of his grandfather as dead to him mm. because he disappointed the family. He had 12 children and he left like eight of them to fend for themselves. So, um, you know, that's kind of sad, you know, that things could be that way. So anyways, I, um, so I did know about my famous grandmother. He called her Nani, uh, short for Nanyahi. And, um, you know, that was back in the, oh, I would say in the 1960s era is when he, I was getting these stories. And from there, it just kind of, you know, I didn't understand. Dan, per se, that my great-grandmother times seven was a famous Native American. I know he thought of her as the most special person that basically there ever could be. And um, so I locked those stories away in my mind. And in uh, the early 80s, I moved to Dallas and went through um, Oklahoma and went and spent a uh, several days with uh, his brothers and sisters there um, in um, Broken Arrow area and uh, just had a heyday there. And they imparted on me, you know, more stories. And I just locked them away in my head, not thinking, you know, oh, I, I need to document this. So anyways, and um, around 2009, I found myself very bored. I was um, in the throes of a divorce and um, a very tumultuous time in my life. 
um, my life was literally being threatened and um, the, the lady actually attempted to kill me a couple times. And, you know, there was a, a lady that, that I met randomly and she walked up to me and she held my hand. She goes, I have a message for you. And I went, okay. She goes, your God is stronger than hers. I said, okay. And um, the lady, you know, just walked. She goes, I'm complete sorry, stranger, I this this lady, I, I, a complete stranger, complete stranger. I knew that I was on the boardwalk in at, at a casino on, on, in uh, like New Jersey or someplace like that. Maybe it was the Trump Casino. I can't remember, but it was over there on the Eastern Seaboard. I was on vacation, just minding my own business. And I already knew that my marriage was in complete trouble. And, um, you know, but sometimes you get messages in the strangest ways. And I have been a victim of that strangest ways. I've been working, documenting all these things that have, or a lot of things that have happened to me over the years. And it's um, going to be in a book called Finding Nanyahi. And I believe that... Um, the creator has kept me alive. I've I've clinically been dead twice um, and had to be brought back. So I know that I was here for a purpose and I just never completely understood, I think, what that purpose was until after I had published Woman of Many Names. Mm -hmm. I, I feel that the creator and Nancy Ward just literally creatively took over my soul for about a year, year and a half. And um, I was I was literally led by the hand through some really beautiful experiences, some really um, odd experiences. And um, so I, I had to be kept alive for, for this very purpose to tell the story of Nancy Ward when she was a young woman. Her older life is very well documented. Uh, I have writings that I've been working on for years, um, three of them actually. And I just need to like, I need to go away and focus and be alone somewhere, maybe back to where I started the original book and um, just really concentrate on and let those words start flowing again. I've been so busy and consumed with, you know, family and, you know, you know, doing things with woman of many names, you know, going back and forth to Oklahoma. I recently was, uh, I am a new member of the Cherokee Nation. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm a card carrying Cherokee Indian <laughs> now. And, um, you know, I'd always said, you know, that I didn't, feel that it was my calling to be part of the nation but as time has gone on and in this process of publicizing the book you know a lot of my Cherokee cousins that are card you know that are certified said you know Deborah you need to do it I know you've said they go you can give whatever funds would end up eventually coming your way you can give them away okay but please join Cherokee Nation so um I did and uh, so I finally, after three years, um, got my card about uh, right around my birthday in October, right before the last dedication ceremony that I did for uh, the 250-year uh, Revolutionary War plaque, Patriot plaque that was um, 
just recently put at her graveside in preparation for our 250th uh, year as a, as a nation. That's great. A lot of places to go with that. I wanted to go back to you as a child, um, finding out about your heritage. Uh, was that an ex was that something that because I know if I was that age and found out that I was you know whatever heritage I was, it would be a little bit confusing. I think in a lot of ways to kind of be thrown into that. How was it for you? Is it just pure excitement? Was it uh, how was it? Complete, complete excitement, jubilation. It, it confirmed what I felt. Honey, I already had Native American pictures in my bedroom mm. uh, that I still have today. And the, the lady looks a lot like me. And I just never put that together. But I collected uh, uh, swans and owls and wolves and I'm wolf clan. I was doing all these things just naturally. I was drawn to flowers and herbs and learning about the land, how it operated. Well, my father was in, uh, had a natural, uh, a construction company and he laid natural gas lines. That involves a lot of excavation and working with the land. And I just always was drawn to anything that was what I would consider natural mm -hmm. and uh, no it explained everything it didn't scare me it explained it i have always known i was intuitive um i thought everybody went through what i went through as a child i didn't know that most people are not connected to spirit i was the youngest uh at that time uh, person um brought into the uh, bapt to be baptized in the in the uh baptist faith i was eight years old and um i i knew i needed to be baptized and i understood a lot about the bible and its teachings and they sent uh three ministers as well as my own ministers so there was four men that questioned me for hours and at the conclusion of that meeting basically they said yes she needs to be baptized she is accountable she's of the age of accountability i knew things there's no way an eight-year-old child should have known hmm. i never read sat down and read the bible at eight years old it didn't happen mm -hmm. uh, i don't know many eight-year-olds that have sat down and, and read <laughs> no, the bible definitely back not. and forth and um so I believe that, um, you know, our spirits sit down with the creator and we decide with him the paths we're going to have to walk, the lessons that we have to learn, how we're going to get from point A to point B, who our parents are going to be. And I believe we select those things coming into this world with his guidance and help, of course. And... Um, I just have had a story to tell and so I got a little wreck the other day and I told a lady, I said, <laughs> I said, I said, I'm sorry. I said that that person, that other person approached me from blindside and I didn't see her coming and she's, she frightened me. And I said, I went into fright or flight mode. She goes, well, everybody has a story. And I went, yeah, but I bet you ain't got one like mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I which I didn't say, I just thought, but um, you know, I it's been a tumultuous life for me. I've 
like I've said, I've been clinically fully dead twice and almost dead two more times. So trust me, I have seen the other side. I, I know what, what that's about. People may think that's odd or that's weird, but it's natural to me because I've experienced it. And I've seen from my own eyes and had been brought back, you know, for what reason? I believe Woman of Many Names was very much a part of that, as well as, you know, other things possibly that I might do. So. Mm -hmm. What were your first memories of being intuitive or feeling maybe that you were meant to walk a certain path or that certain spirits were speaking to you was that at what age was that and do you recall a specific example five wow I, I was i was five um yeah i started seeing spirits at about five i um you know ghosts whatever you want to call that um I was around five. Wow. And I spoke recently uh, on a previous episode of my podcast to a, to a lady who was born on a reservation in Canada and then was illegally adopted to a, a couple in the United States. Um, and same kind of story, grew up uh, not really knowing about her heritage, found out, went back to visit um, her people, her family on the reservation, and she was talking about the culture shock that it was for her going from, uh, if my memory is what I think it is, Connecticut, back to a reservation near Montreal, Quebec, and just how different the lifestyle was, how different everything was. Did you experience that same thing when you first went to Oklahoma? Um, no, because they're actually pretty civilized out there. Um, yeah, it was like going to any other uh, small town. Um, they have, you know, really elevated the, our people. Um, there's about 300,000 of, um, of, you know, that are, you know, acknowledged, uh, certified, so to speak. Um, Cherokee, I know there's tons and tons, tons, thousands more. You know, I've got, you know, 50 other relatives at best that, that I know that are, you know, not part of Cherokee Nation. I'm the first um, to join um, from my grandfather's line. Um, we don't really know if he was signed up. Uh, the documents all burned in a courthouse fire. So nobody really knows if he was. Uh, my grandmother, great-grandmother was on the DOS roll. So that's how we go back. And of course, she's, you know, linked up to Nancy Ward as well. Um, you know, it's kind of cool. On one side of my family, I can go back to 0032. Um, and my Native American side, I can go back to the 1600s. Wow. And, um, you know, know who my family is. Um, you know, once I got into this genetic stuff and the ancestry and, you know, things have just pop, 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 pop. Mm. You know, I found out all kinds of really cool stuff about my my ancient family. So I can understand your because you mentioned your family was uh, obviously they you didn't find out until you were 11 or 12. And so obviously that was something that they kept secret. 
How did they react to you uh, going out and telling anyone who would listen about, did that sort of open them up to being more open about it themselves? Praise the Lord, yes. Yes, very much so. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's great. So They're proud of me. They're proud of me. Of course, yeah. And a child shall lead them, right? Like that's the... (laughs) <laughs> it just takes uh, to get yes. that ball rolling. Cause... Yes, it did. It, it went through a lot of the family-like gangbusters, you know, back then that we were Cherokee. And, you know, I ended up, I, I wear in her honor uh, this arrowhead that I had put on a necklace when I was 18 that my grandfather gave me. This arrowhead made the trail of tears and came back. Oh, wow. And um, the ring that I wear here... Um, uh, if I can get the camera to figure it out. There we go. <laughs> is um, a jade, and it actually was a ring at one time. You can see the upper crust of mm-hmm. it with the yep. ring setting itself. If you could get a real close look at it, you could see how pure the copper is around that mount. And he had a ring that belonged to Nancy Ward, and he had it fashioned into a... Uh, a bracelet for me, a little cuff bracelet, which I molded into a ring um, about 12 years ago. I don't know. I was going, what am I going to do with this? I, you know, this is such an historical important thing Mm -hmm. and um, I have it. And um, so I just, it, it just rolled around in my hands and I just kept rolling, you know, moving it around. The next thing I knew, I looked down at it and I had, fashioned it into a ring Hmm. and so how old would that be uh oh my gosh Uh, who would know anywhere from uh mid 1700s to she died in 1822 wow so So, a couple hundred years old oh easy If, if if not almost 300 who would really know where she got this in 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 her walk in life or who it came from Mm -hmm. so what was the first story that you heard and who told it to you uh about nancy it was my grandfather he told me um the story of the trail of tears and he says nani foresaw she you know predicted whatever whatever word you want to use for that the trail of tears and and um he said, this is what he did. He says, she said, I see my people walking in line with tears streaming down their face. Hmm. And um, as we all well know, you know, the trail of tears happened after, well, maybe we don't all know, but the trail of tears did happen after her death. I believe that so many people in our particular line removed from the um the Carolinas and Tennessee, Georgia area early as old settlers, which we did. I've got many, many relatives on the old settler rolls, um, because of her her warning, her prediction. And anybody that was going to take her seriously would have been her family, straight up. Um, so they left before the Trail of Tears happened. Now um I did have a I believe it would have been my fourth or fifth great-grandmother, I believe it would be fifth, that did go on the Trail of Tears. 
However, she was married to a soldier that was leading a, 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 a contingent out. So she would have been living a different life in that respect. She wouldn't have been walking on the ground more than likely unless she chose to get off and walk. Um, she would have had access to horses, wagons, whatever. Um, and, and that's where this necklace, I believe, came from, this arrowhead. Um, she would have been allowed, of course, to take anything she wanted to. There was a lot of, of possessions that when my great-grandmother passed that she had that, that belonged to uh, her great-grandmothers. So, um, you know, we were fortunate. There's other people that have beautiful um, reminiscence of, of her as well. You mentioned that your grandfather told you the first story. So let's just put that into context for everybody. So your grandfather, would that have been her, I'm trying to do the math here, five times removed? from? So that, that tells you how far back these stories go. If your grandfather is still five times removed from that, that's, that's incredible. Yes. Well, um, he used to tell me, he says, you look so much like my mother. And they used to always say that um, my mother looked like Nancy Ward. So there were still people even alive, you know, way back then when she was growing up that actually knew them because they, you know, it was, you know, there was people alive, just mm -hmm. put it that way. And um, he said something curious to me when he handed me the, uh, the bracelet, he said, they thought my mother was the one. She wasn't, but maybe you are. Mm. And I went, okay. You know, as a kid, it didn't dawn on me to go, Grandpa, what, what are you talking about? So I have since found out that uh, Elizabeth Buffington Tittle, which would be my great-great-great-grandmother, was working for a newspaper. I don't know if it was the Phoenix or if it was the local Weber Falls paper or, you know, how that all went out. I don't know who she worked for. I just know she worked for a newspaper. So I'm thinking maybe he, maybe it's this. I don't know. I didn't have the foresight to ask that question. And I wish I would have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about uh, Nancy if you could just give everyone just a little sort of, uh, I mean, it's hard to summarize her life in a synopsis because there's a whole lot to it, but just give the people that are listening just a little bit of a background into her life and, and what she was about. Nancy Ward was born into the Cherokee Nation. Uh, she was the granddaughter of Matoy, who was considered the emperor of America and King George II named him that, and he, uh, which meant that his children were royalty, and he called the children princes and princesses. That's not something that is per se acknowledged in the Cherokee culture as a thing, but we're not talking Cherokee culture. We were talking about, you know, the King of England. Um, two of my uncles went on a ship called the Fox. I believe it was in... 1738, somewhere around there. 
and um, they went to England to meet with the king. He wanted Matoy to come, and uh, being the leader, he said, uh, now, you know, he's not coming here, I'm not going there. But what he did was he sent two of his sons to uh, check out the situation, so to speak. Hmm. So, um, because he just knew that there was people coming and more people and more people and, you know, he, he didn't, uh, they didn't understand. So when they did go to England, uh, Atakulakula and Okanastoa, which ended up being the peace chief as well as the war chief. And uh, the peace chief was father of Dragon Canoe, sorry, uh, who was a war chief during, you know, the Revolutionary War you know, and preceding that, trying to keep our lands for us. And he uh, started the Chickamauga Cherokee. So they all worked in conjunction, I'm sure of this. But um, where was I going with that? She just was an amazing um, character in history. Nancy Ward, who was born Tistagiski and had many other names and titles and things that she was called throughout her lifetime. Um, just an amazing character. She did go to war. She understood that to know, to know the path to peace, you need to know the path to war, which we would call the red path was to war and the white path was to peace. And she was being schooled, I believe, by the creator to do great and wonderful things for her people, as well as the, the colonialists, the, uh, the early Americans that were, you know, already here and had been for, you know, a generation as well. One of my family members was Oceus Hopkins, who was born on the Mayflower. And, um, you know, he, that was, you know, the early 1600s. So white people had been here for a really long time. It wasn't like it was new, but they just kept coming and multiplying. <laughs> so anyways, you know, Nancy had a job to do. She she needed to keep her people alive. Uh, we lost half our people in the 17, I believe it was the early 1740s to smallpox. Half the Cherokee Nation, half of every Cherokee family died wow half imagine half mm -hmm. and there were 200 about 200 and some thousand left wow so anyways um you know an odd thing but um you know i'm not supposed to say that that was done with intent uh with blankets or anything uh but you can use your imagination we were already not wanted they wanted what we had we had gold mines, we had silver mines, we had copper mines. That's kind of lost in history. Um, uh, we adopted slaves into our culture. Uh, you know, I have a different view on a lot of that than maybe what some other people may. But um, we as a whole were not bad people. We were a matriarchal system. And um, the men just kind of... You know, they did manly things. <laughs> and we did everything else, including lead, in, including uh, feeding and hunting and warring. And Nancy did all those things herself. She uh, was um, ended up being the leader of the Battle of Talawah, which happened in Ballground, Georgia, um, which is um, in the northeastern part of Georgia. Um, 
And there were, you know, all kinds of, there was four or five tribes represented at that war, um, as well as white people. And um, that's where my seventh great grandfather died. He perished there. And um, after his death, she picked up his Muscawana with his gun, his mm -hmm. lance, and screamed the war cry and went. And they were in they were in retreat when uh, King Fisher was killed. So um, the other Braves warriors heard her screams, and they turned around and followed her, and they psh, they won. <laughs> and that was a woman that ended up leading that battle. So, um, and that was my grandmother. Wow. She was bad. Badass. I want to say the other word. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Uh, yeah, she was a badass. And let me tell you, she had lessons to learn. But through that battle, she learned that she didn't want to be at war. The loss was so tremendous to her. My grandmother was three to five months pregnant during that battle. Mm. She carried my grandfather's last child, which ended up being uh, a young man called uh, Little Fella, and who came became uh, a five killer as well. That was her, that was Nancy's father's name as well. So we're not sure how he got that name. If he killed five people as well in one time, or if it was just you know honoring his grandfather that he picked the name Five Killer. Mm -hmm. um it's debatable so that I'm goes back debatable. that goes back to what you said you just mentioned that uh being in that battle in that war strengthened her resolve to not be at war basically um and it goes back to what you mentioned about you have to know war to know peace and vice versa so it's it's amazing how someone of that stature is still learning lessons in those really hard times yeah yeah the the i believe she's and as important today as she was then she knew thomas jefferson personally i believe she was the native american woman that came to visit him um at his home in monticello uh, that they don't know who is i believe it was her they had a very very good friendship over the years um, the letter that she wrote to George Washington was found in his desk, uh, you know, like 200 years later and in a secret compartment in his desk. Um, I believe that, um, that George Washington had a hand in saving my grandmother's life more than once. I believe that she saved his life as well if only through the power of negotiation, through the power of treaties that were that were signed that allowed George Washington and his troops to traverse all over the Northeast. You know, before that, you know, a lot of those tribes would have made war with him when they entered their, his tribe, you know, when he would come into their tribal grounds. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, but I can't document that. All I have are family stories. And um, through that oral tradition which was very much the way we did things you know we didn't write a lot of things down uh, until you know and after sequoia um who came up with our syllabary and um you know our writing how we write and um i think it's you know 
I did have somebody kind of come at me, a uh, very large stature, very, very huge, like Smithsonian, <laughs> and says, well, you can't, you can't prove that. I said, well, you can't prove it didn't happen. Yeah. I said, all I have to go by are my family's stories, our oral tradition, and I will take my oral tradition any day because those stories were told for a reason. Mm -hmm. They were learned for a reason to pass down through time, to pass down through the generations where a piece of paper can be destroyed, but what can't be destroyed easily is our memories mm -hmm. and what we tell each other and what we told, you know, from generation to generation to generation. Um, still a beautiful thing, but I don't hold it against them. Mm -hmm. I want to get I want to talk a little more about storytelling in a couple of minutes, but I wanted to ask you, because I'm ignorant about this subject, I know about the Revolutionary War and, and so on, but I don't know it from the Cherokee perspective. Where were their loyalties or where were what was their thought process in that time as to because you mentioned they went over and visited uh, the king. And so it seems like there was a decent at least decent uh, relationship there. Where did they fall on the side of the Revolutionary War? Um, I believe that if you had soldiers surrounding your village with guns and cannons, you would do whatever they said to do. Mm -hmm. We didn't have uh, large brick walls to deflect cannonballs mm -hmm. and to, to deflect bullets so on and so forth. So being that you were being threatened by this force, whether it was the French, the Spanish, the British, it wouldn't matter. You would go, oh, hey, okay, yeah, yeah. Colonial, they, 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 they sided with the Americans, truly. Um, the people that were living here and had been living here um, were, were people that they knew. I mean, mm -hmm. they didn't know these soldiers coming to the gates of their village and, and uh, you know, messing things up really good and shooting people and threatening people. Um, Chota, which was grandmother's village, was a city of refuge. It was, uh, you made it into the village, you were safe. Nobody was going to kill you in those, in those confines. You step outside those confines and you might be a dead man or woman, but as long as you were in the village of Chota, you had refuge. So um, I believe that it's the same today as it would be then. Yes, if you, somebody was standing outside your door. But in here, they can't control what goes on in here. And right. a lot of people say, oh, well, Nancy Ward was a traitor to her people. Well, hold the boat here. My grandmother's uncle, one, was Atacula Peace Chief. Number two, uncle... Oconestoa, war chief. Number three, cousin Dragging Canoe, big time war chief, young war chief uh, of the Chickamauga Cherokee. And let me tell you right now, those men, if they felt Nancy Ward was a traitor, mm. they'd, they'd have killed her like that. Like There'd been yeah. no questions asked, gone. No matter now, who she was. Didn't happen. Yeah. So that's so a pretty I, good indicator. I believe they worked in conjunction. Uh, you know, even amongst the the Cherokee tribes, uh, you know, that is still very debatable. And I hope that 
someday that the people that do use those terms about my grandmother will stop. She was a brilliant, bright light in this world that saved so many lives. And, you know, unfortunately, most of my side of the family were captured. You know, they were in their homes sleeping. The, the other Cherokee that were able to get away, somebody gave up their lives for them to, to, to General Severe. They said, if we stop now and give ourselves to you, will you quit run, quit chasing them? And General Severe said, yes. He kept his word, but he killed every single one of those men mm. that stopped and gave their lives for them to escape. Mm -hmm. So I don't see any difference in um, it being whether you were able to run off and, and hide versus if you were captured. You know, I, I truly believe that's why, as a people, we're so depressed today. Mm -hmm. We're split. Don't let anybody say any different. We are split. Mm -hmm. And just like so many other cultures today, somehow or another, all these bands of Cherokee need to figure it out and come back together as one. We are stronger as one than we are as three. Mm -hmm. And I am sorry about everything that's happened in the past. So sorry. But not a one of us is better on account of where we were or what we did. We're all still Cherokee. We should be one fire, mm -hmm. not three separate fires. It shouldn't be. If that's the case, it's a, basically, never mind, I'll shut up. Um, <laughs> it's it's sad, but yeah. my grandmother was no traitor. She mm -hmm. was no traitor. Now, getting back to storytelling, I have some of my favorite recollections as a kid are uh, when my uncles would come over to my house and hang out with my dad and have a beer and tell stories. And my now their stories were a lot about drinking and fighting and working and but I was I was enraptured with these stories because they were always funny and it was just it was good to just sit and listen to them and learn a little bit about you know my dad as a younger man and so on so it's an it's undeniable the importance of storytelling and keeping those traditions alive and a lot of those uncles are gone and my dad is gone so those stories are kind of gone with them so from your perspective, how important is it that people like yourself and others keep telling those stories and keep telling the younger generations about how important uh, Nancy was to her people then and is as important now? That it's it's going to be a huge uh, thing for you. I mean, the book is is basically storytelling, and I'm sure that's part of why you did it. Um, how important do you think that is? Uh, that's the whole reason this became a book. Uh, what this was about was, uh, in the very beginning, was just writing down the stories that my uncles, aunts, and grandfather had told me. And uh, because they were in no history book, you know, most of those stories were not, were not there. Now, yes, I had to publish this as uh, historical fiction. I had no choice mm -hmm. uh, in the matter um, because they were oral. I have no documented proof. I didn't tape record my grandfather in 1965 telling me these stories, which wouldn't have mattered anyways, even if I had. 
Um, because like I said, you know, the powers to be say, well, you can't prove that happened. Well, no, but you can't prove it didn't happen. We have to tell these stories. We cannot let our past die. You know, everybody is all about, you know, oh, well, the colonization of America. Okay, it was colonized. Surprise, surprise. Um, and if it wasn't, your happy butt wouldn't be here, okay? And to, to talk about any of this, I, I, I shudder sometimes, especially in the last few years, as I watch and see what's going on in the world. It just mystifies me. It mystifies me that people can be so cruel. And, you know, I, all you got to do is turn on the TV. Sickening. Mm -hmm. And they've got a long past since the beginning of time. God's chosen people, which I do actually believe that the Native Americans are one of the lost tribes of Israel. I don't care what they say. I will never believe anything less. How did we get here five, six, ten thousand years ago? I believe it was after the Tower of Babel is what I believe. And um, and the God split the world into many different parts. You know, the tectonic plates, you put, you take the land masses, you put them together and you about got a hole. So a thing of land. I don't believe anything less that, that, that the Native, uh, we see each other. We feel each other's pain. I have met, you know, probably if I had to count and put a number to it, probably 25 Jewish people that walk up to me and they, they know I'm Cherokee. Not, they go, oh, you're Native American. Mm. I believe we're, I believe we see each other because we are each other. And that we were just removed thousands of years ago, five, mm -hmm. 6,000 years ago. It doesn't really matter if it's 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. No. Once you hit thousands of years, it kind yeah, of stops being important. Yeah. <laughs> they know we've been here for thousands of years and that we've migrated around the whole East Coast from the top to the bottom. You know, I mean, it doesn't take much to figure out if you're up there in that cold country, you want to go south, right? No, it doesn't take long. Mm -hmm. So that's how the migration patterns happen. And more people stayed. They went further and further south, getting away from the cold weather, just like snowbirds do today. And, um, you know, they splinter, you know, peace out. Mm -hmm. We'll see you. But we're still from the same genetic pool. Mm -hmm. From your perspective, is there optimism on your point on your part or pessimism about because like I mentioned earlier, I spoke to another lady who is, uh, well, I was gonna say Native American, I guess that's the correct term from it Canada. Um, yeah. And she's telling her story about rediscovering her heritage. Are you optimistic that those stories are starting to be retold again more? Do you see that yourself? Or are you still pessimistic about uh where those stories are going to go or maybe no, it's a I'm, bit of both i'm i'm pretty much optimistic um our stories should be told and even if it's just to each other i i had hoped with writing and publishing my memoirs of, of nancy ward that i had and stories that i had that people would get an understanding of where the indians were coming from uh, like I said, I, I believe I was divinely written, mostly divinely written book. 
I've got the writings probably to even prove it because my transcriber goes, oh, there's something going on here. I said, what do you mean there's something going on? She goes, it's like two people wrote this book. And I go, okay. Mm. She goes, look here. And she would show me different tablets. Mostly it was in whole tablets where there was a different handwriting handwriting hmm. than my own completely wow. different so um and i saw my great-grandmother's handwriting oh, we write just alike wow <laughs> so so maybe that was her writing and the other was god only knows who's but yeah i i believe that we have to remain optimistic in in our thinking or die yeah yeah absolutely so the book itself, um, when did you start actually putting pen to paper on that and how long did it take for the finished product? I started writing in approximately the fall of 09 and it took me until almost 2016 to hit to, hit to publishing. I mean, it's a very long route. It took me about three years to write. I'm not a writer, um, not an English professor, an English student by any stretch of the word. And um, <laughs> I'm sure it's fraught with mistakes. It actually sounds to me like when I read it, even myself, that it's written from the perspective of an older woman that was of the 17th century. It's it's actually backwards, which I don't know that I can repeat today. I unless I get another divinely written book, <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Like I said, it's um, it's backwards sentence structure, and I didn't realize a lot of that until you know maybe the last four years, mm -hmm. five years. So um, you know they say everybody's got a story in them write it you just never know whether it's going to end up published or not but you can write down things you know about your family that the next generation isn't going to know so you start like a family ledger mm -hmm. you know where you can write these down pass it around the family and and start writing these stories down that you heard about your parents and your great-grandparents and your great-great-grandparents because if you don't they're all going to be lost and we are our past mm -hmm. we are a product of our ancestors. Without them, there is no us. So we should be grateful. I met um, some of President Jefferson's um, grandsons and uh, from Ms. Hemings. And, you know, he, he when I met him, he didn't act like he was proud to have Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson's <laughs> grandfather. And um, I was in the process of, of publishing, and I told him that I'd been there, and I felt that it was a very lovely place. I said, you know, yes, um, you know, slavery wasn't a great thing, but it's like George Washington worried about them. What would become of them if we just set them free? They don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a a dilemma. Mm -hmm. And I can almost see what he was thinking. But, you know, it's hard to think like a six, 17th century or 18th century man. Mm 
Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you go about that process? I don't know for sure. But, um, and I'm a woman, not a man. <laughs> but I, I know that it's not that they weren't thought of. And, 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 and in hindsight, I'm sure he's up there kicking himself in his butt that he didn't fix it for 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 everybody that lived here. The American Indians who helped them win the Revolutionary War, helped them win the War of 1812. Yo, um, you know, we were a very integral part of all that stuff. And um, they promised my grandmother her lands in perpetuity for all, as long as America existed. Well, you can see where that got her. Yeah. And us, it got us nowhere. I mean, the family went together, the Cherokee, I'm not sure, and tried to get her ancestral grounds back based on that promise. And Congress said, yeah, good luck. Not yeah. <laughs> yeah, not good happening. luck with that. <laughs> However, uh, the state of Tennessee has um, returned Chota to uh, the Eastern Band Cherokee. Mm. Um, which is um, fine. Uh, most of Nancy's relatives were removed, so maybe they gave it to the wrong people, but um, I don't know. I'm not going to sit in judgment on that necessarily. I have my own thoughts on it, mm -hmm. um, but I'm glad. I don't care. I mean, just that, it, that it's back is amazing. Mm -hmm. Now, the state of Tennessee has... Uh, Possession of the Nancy Ward gravesite, um, where I did the last dedication on October 21st for the 250-year Patriot Award. And uh, just a beautiful, a huge plaque. I mean, this thing is huge. Mm -hmm. Brass, brass plaque. And, or bronze. Bronze, I don't know. Bronze, whatever. One of those. Um, one of the medals. <laughs> um, just, you know... And to know that somebody thought enough of her to think that she deserved that 250 years later. Now, I've noticed behind you uh, the poster, the picture on the wall, um, yes. very much like the cover of the book, if not exact. Is it exactly the same? It is. I, I couldn't quite see from here. But uh, so who is the artist uh, behind that? And was that something that was commissioned for the book itself? Or did you have that and just and decided to use it for the copy of for the cover? It was the third commission. Oh, OK. <laughs> uh, the first two just weren't what I had in mind. And um, that, the, the, yeah, that's the third commission. Her name is Dawn Fisher, my friend. Uh, beautiful artist out of the St. Petersburg area mm -hmm. and uh, very um, I just it the, it just sang to me I gave her a copy of the book and I said read it draw See okay it. and um, this is uh, the beautiful rendition of my grandmother that she came up with from from that that's the amazing thing about artists that are talented like that that they can read words on a page and come up with something visual like that from the words and that takes an incredible amount of uh not just artistic talent but the vision to to extrapolate that picture from the words in the book it's amazing i well i gave her uh pictures of myself as a young person i um of course you can see different things that have been done over the years of, of Nancy Ward. There is a uh, pencil drawing 
a copy of a pencil drawing at the grave site, mm -hmm. which was done from the memory of her great great grandson and uh, to an artist. So, you know, uh, there are some likenesses out there. Um, I have a few of them here as well. Um, I just, she's just so pretty. And, and that's what Daniel Boone said about her. She's the most handsome woman he ever saw. Wow. And, um, Talk about name dropping, Thomas yeah. Jefferson, Daniel Boone, George Daniel Washington. Boone. That's like a who's who of uh, American she history. She loved Daniel Boone. She loved Daniel Boone. And um, um, she sold him a Kentucky. Uh, she was in on those negotiations with the Transylvania Company. Uh, I felt really bad as the more I learned about things. Um, Daniel Boone was given land instead of money for the uh, secession of Kentucky um, to the Transylvania Company. And they seized all those lands back uh, after the Revolutionary War. <laughs> and they took them from him, and which I always thought was a travesty. And that's why he moved to Arkansas. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No he, good deed goes unpunished. Yeah, he says, oh, bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I settled this land if you want to treat me like this, bye. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I think they developed a very special bond and kinship during that era. And um, their family uh, knows about it as well as I do. Hmm. That's amazing. You mentioned earlier um, another book that you are uh, planning to write. Um, is that book just in the planning stages now? Uh, where Where does that sit? Um, I have three of them that are just sitting. I, I just, you know, I, I feel so bad that I haven't been able to just get back to writing again. I don't know why I haven't been able to do that. It's a mistake. I know. I, I, well, I guess it's not a mistake. The time just isn't right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I have one called Finding Nanyi, which is um will be the story of the the interesting things that happened to me and it was like daily i swear at times mm -hmm. um and then there's another one that that i've started which finishes up you know the life of nancy ward after basically my grandfather um which like I said is you know it's pretty well documented uh, most of that stuff so i guess it just hasn't you know, pounded on my heart that I've got to do it. But my cousins keep going, yeah, but nobody does it like you do, Deborah. And I went, okay, <laughs> I'll have to see if I can get back there. My plan is to is to get back there and pull that stuff out. And I mean, my whole house was nothing but uh, pictures and graphs and pages all over the walls. I mean, I'm going to have to trash my house to do it again. <laughs> and unfortunately, I've moved into an itty-bitty house. Uh, apartment and the last one I had I had a room about half the size of this apartment to mm. uh, to ride in and because you got to be able to jump yeah back and pull and you know and separate and coagulate and just for me anyway so like I said I'm not a trained writer so mm -hmm. I don't know what to do in, in a lot of respects and then um and then the last one would be my autobiography of how um, my mother's rearing, my grandfather's rearings, 
how the family works together like that. And like I said, I have a, a cultural past. I had one of my, uh, I think, I think my ninth great grandmother was hung in the Salem witch trials. I, I, a Mayflower, Osius Hopkins from the Mayflower. Um, the, the men that started the, um, Valley Forge, the brothers, one of them was my uncle and the other was my grandfather. They supplied almost all of the um, weaponry for the Revolutionary War was produced at that armory. Um, and, and my grandfather of those brothers went with Lewis and Clark out west and got <laughs> killed by the Blackfoot Indians. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I could go on. Yeah, I was going to say, you could have just, books to write for the rest of your life. I could. And somebody <laughs> said, well, how could you put all that together? I said, clueless. I'm clueless how I would put all this together. And my dad's family, you know, came over here in the late late 1600s, opened missions, the Brainerd missions. And, you know, I'm a Brainerd as well. And they were helping my mother's people. My father's people were helping my mother's people. I mean, Really? In the 1700s? Really? Well, I'm sure when the time is right, you'll get that, uh, you'll get that nudge. Yeah. Or let me know when it's time. It, yeah. This has been a fun adventure, you know, getting to talk to people like yourself and tell, tell the story of Nancy Ward, you know, and it ends up being, you know, partly my story as well. Mm -hmm. I believe in a lot of ways I've led a parallel life to, to, to Nancy. Like I said, I've been through, a lot of horrible things, a lot of beautiful things as well. Um, you know, so in that respect, I believe that we could understand each other even today and, and, and in this time. And she is somebody that needs people need to understand and know about. Mm -hmm. She is not a figment of somebody's imagination. She wasn't just leading somebody across the United States. God bless those that did those things. But Nancy Ward was a true leader to her people. She was a true leader in the white world as well. She saved countless, numerous Americans from certain death. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's thousands upon hundreds of thousands of descendants of theirs that never would have been born had it not been for Nancy Ward. Would never have been born. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that that she's not spoken about in history during the Revolutionary War, especially, except for a line about Nancy Ward and Dragon Canoe, just a line in a small paragraph mm -hmm. in history books. But we're getting away from history. Oh, what a mistake that is. Oh, mm. my gosh. Yeah. Such an evil mistake. That is evil. Mm. That is, is evil. Yeah. It's evil. I'm sorry. It is. It's evil. That we are not teaching these children about history. You ought to just see my nieces and nephews. Yeah, 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 yeah. Auntie, tell me about this. Auntie, tell me. We had relatives. Yes. You're kidding. Oh, we never heard of it. Oh, okay. Well, I did hear about Lewis and Clark. I said, oh, okay. Well, there you go. You had a mm -hmm. grandpa on that. Wow. He was killed by inches. But, but still, he was there. Yeah. He was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, something that's a big pet peeve of mine, and I think a lot of other people is not just that we're not teaching history we're trying to erase history. We're trying to change it. And we're trying, it. yeah, we're trying to take, you know, statues down and rename schools and, you know, Careful it's... Every military base, known to man. And it's not, 
yes, a lot of the people that have statues or schools or whatever, yeah, they had things about them that were not good. They did sometimes terrible things. But people, if, if we just erase these people from history, how do we not repeat what they, what they did if we don't look at the bad things that they did and, and analyze the times? And, you know, so to me, it's just, I think we'd, we should be teaching more of that and letting everybody know that, hey, this is what went on. This is why it was bad. Uh, on the flip side, this is what this guy did that was pretty good. You know, teach the whole story and let people learn from the entirety of it. Okay, I, I do have a statement to make. If you, I am a believer. I believe there was one perfect person sent to this world. And look what we did to him. <laughs> Put him up on a cross. After mm -hmm. we've tortured him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think, you know, tell the stories, tell all the stories and we learn must. from learn from the good ones, learn from the bad ones. Absolutely. It's all a learning experience. But if you can't change it and you deny it. Uh, look where we you know, like you said, look where we are today. Mm -hmm. It has absolutely not changed a thing. Taking those statues down didn't change anything. Mm -hmm. And it's frightening the number of young people that don't believe the Holocaust happened, for example. It's insanity. And why? Because we're not teaching it anymore. <laughs> so what? anyway. Oh, that's... why would you want to talk about something sad? Yeah, it, it's bad. You might trigger somebody. Oh, yeah. Well, history oh, is triggering. We need to build them a safe room now. Oh, yeah, don't... history is triggering. Yeah, exactly. Where was my safe room? Where was uh, almost every Native American in this country's safe room? Mm -hmm. We didn't have no safe room. The only safe room we had was when we were dead. Yeah. Okay, yeah. straight up dead. Yep. Yeah. So, just a couple more questions before I let you go. Um, you mentioned that you have been uh, through some things in your life that have been very difficult, near-death experiences and so on. I'm guessing that when you are going through something, whether it be something minor that's just irritating you, or you're having a shitty day, or whatever it may be, or it's something really serious, I bet you you must find yourself asking WWNY or D, right? What would Nancy do? Do you take inspiration from her and and try to uh, conduct yourself in her image the way that that she did, the way that she would have? Is she an inspiration to you in that way in your day to day? She is an inspiration to me in so many ways. Um, it wouldn't be WWNW. It would be what would Jesus do? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times I have to get back there and think that. And then when I'm really bad and I would think, what would my father expect me to do? Uh, or fathers, which would be my heavenly father and my earthly father as well. Um, sure, yeah, we always have, you know, bad days. And, you know, even though I've seen the other side, I'm in no hurry to get there, quite honestly. Um, am I glad that um, the people were there to save me when they did? Yes. I had a Vietnam War medic on my chest bringing me back to life at one time. And, um, um, you know, that was quite the abrupt thing to wake up and see that. You know, you got this early man beating on your chest. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, you know, the ambulance that arrived and had the forethought to call another ambulance and say, 
we need you to meet us with this medication because she's not going to make it to that hospital. She's not going to make it. Um, I was electrocuted in a swimming pool and I, I was gone. Wow. I know I, I know I was dead. And, um, and I know the second I came back <laughs> mm -hmm. and I know how that felt. So my perspective can probably be different than a lot of other people's, but I believe in the one creator and I believe that he has us all here for a reason and a season. And he brings people in and out of our lives for a reason and a season. And, um, yeah, I've had some real scary stuff happen to me. Some, you know, horrible, mm -hmm. horrible things, atrocities that, you know, um, um, no woman should have to, you know, go through. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I'm still here. Like my psychiatrist has said, Deborah, you are such an intuitive person. And you've been through so much. Our cemeteries are filled with young women and women like you. Our streets are full of women that have been hurt like you've been hurt. Mm -hmm. And you have managed to somehow stay alive and I, I I hate saying it, but I did try to commit suicide several times as a young person because I just didn't know where to put all these things mm. and, and bad experiences. I was kidnapped by four, four young men when I was uh, 14 years old. Uh, they didn't get real far with the situation, but they did abduct me. They did carry me off. And um, I knew what was coming. I knew what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I fought like a tiger, not even a tigress. I fought like a tiger and uh, was able to bite the man who had his hand over my mouth and face i was able to bite him good enough that he let go and was able to start screaming and um and some people did hear my cry for help and and came and and helped me from that situation and had i not done all those and fighting with a man on each limb mm -hmm. if i hadn't been able to do that i i i wouldn't be here Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that mentally or physically I could have survived a mm -hmm. situation like that. And um, so my hand knows that there's been a divine hand. My mind knows that. My heart knows that. My brain knows that. I've had a divine entity taking care of me to keep me alive, to help my nieces and nephews and my great nieces and nephews in whatever perspective that may need to happen in, to help my mother, to help my father. Um, I did things that nobody else could or probably would do for my family. So I know God has an absolute purpose for me. Like I said, I believe the writing of Woman of Many Names was real high on that list. This will stand forever as long as we're a country. This is in the Library of Congress. So it's it's out there. It's it's kind of, you know, 100 years from now, you know, somebody will probably be able to download my book and mm -hmm. read it or have it read to them by some AI. Yeah, um, yeah which that sounds more likely than not. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that, you know, we're all here 
like I said, a reason and a season. And we're all here. You're here today because we're meant to be here today to be in this time for whatever reason. It, it, mm -hmm. Does it matter? Yeah, it may matter, but we're all here. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're watching things that I never would have dreamed that the Jewish people would be here again. Mm -hmm. I thought that, oh, I have to be living in a nightmare. This can't be happening. It cannot be happening. Mm -hmm. And it and is. And it is, yes. Uh, to close out, um, just going to give you an opportunity to tell everyone that is listening where they can find you, website, uh, where to get the book, uh, social media, anything anything that you want to share. Okay. Well, to watch uh, the things that I've done in the past few years, you can uh, go on Facebook and uh, type in Woman of Many Names and uh, friend that. Um, and that will show you like this interview eventually and others in the past. Um, I am pretty consistent. <laughs> um, you can uh, go to www.woman of many names and order the book straight from the publisher if you'd like. Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes All and the Noble, usual places, yeah. <laughs> all those usual places. And I'm so grateful that, um, that you've had me here today. And I'd be grateful for every man, woman, and child. I'd say around 13 is appropriate for... Mm -hmm. to read the book 12 to 13 years old i don't think it's too crazy uh, there's one little part that's a little sexy but you know uh, <laughs> they, 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 i'll tell you the 12 and 13 year olds know all about that oh yeah <laughs> just saying so yeah. anyways um uh it's it's been an honor and a pleasure to be here today with you and it's my honor and absolute pleasure to represent nancy ward in any capacity that i can as it should be worth knowing about absolutely about. well i will put those links in the uh, description to the website and i i'm about three quarters of the way through the book and i've been really enjoying it so i encourage everyone to pick it up because it is really is a fascinating story and uh you know i found that i'm it's one of those books where you know that it's visually good because I find myself picturing back in those times and, and what she was doing and what her people were. And it's, it's fascinating look at a completely different world. So yeah, I'll put those, all those links up there and I encourage everyone to pick it up and I appreciate your time today. And um, I wish you all the best going forward with the future books. God bless you. Thank you. Deborah, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, honey.